Welcome to Garage Conversation with Char, or GCC for short. My name is Charlene Brisbane, and you are about to listen to a podcast in the second series. The intent of the discussion remains as it was from the start, to inform, engage, and inspire. My daughter Shelby continues to come along for the ride as my producer and sort of co-host. However, she gave up editing somewhere in the first series to Christine, a professional editor. Yes, most of the podcasts continue to be recorded in my garage, weather permitting, or my guest's ability to travel. If you have listened previously, I appreciate your continued support. If this is your first podcast, thanks for giving it a try. This will be our 11th and our second series of podcasts, and we're going to be talking about social media today. But before we jump right into that, first, I want to say good morning to, to my guests, and I'll be introducing them soon, and also to Shelby. And um, we, I just sort of bring up, because we are actually recording this podcast, even though it won't be released for several weeks, on June 19th. And, and this is called Juneteenth. And many people may know because it was recently in the news, this was made an official holiday. And this is when um, slaves were officially, all, all slaves had freedom because apparently in Texas, Texas, it took them two years later to, to be free. So I must say I'm a little bit mixed about this holiday. I do understand the significance of it. And it was amazing to see um, the 94 year old woman, Oprah, Opal Lee, who have been advocating this for many years to be in the White House and have uh, President Biden kneel down and talk to her. So I can definitely see the significance of it. And I learned that it's celebra- has been celebrated for years in many different states, not just not, but I don't ever remember it in my area being in the Philadelphia area. There were, I mean, you mean like the city actually or the state actually doing something because there's been like block parties and yeah, stuff like that, but nothing. Yeah, yeah, individuals. Yeah, places in different states. Like, but it has never been something big in Philadelphia, you know. So, but as I said, it seems a little bit mixed when we have all these issues going on with voting and things like that. Well, listen, and okay, people who have listened to this podcast pretty much know my stance on the government, particularly the United States government, and the the institutional racism. And I I might have said this on the podcast before, which I retract my statement or redact my statement. Um, The system isn't broken. It was built this way. It was built to be inherently racist, sexist, homophobic, ableist. So just like this month is Pride Month, I find it very performative because on one hand, yeah, we get this national holiday. One that I will say a lot of people won't even be able to take off for. Remember that a lot of people who work at these minimum wage, wage jobs, they're, they're not going to get off for, for Juneteenth. And then before we started recording, we talked about voting rights, but also reparations and also talking about racism and in, in schools, which is not in certain states, you know, something that is allowed or like stopping police violence, which is a, you know, a fight that is ongoing. It's just, it almost feels like, again, like to bring it back to Pride Month, like all you have all these big corporations that slap a rainbow on a t-shirt and say, hey, we're, we're cool. 
So we don't have to do anything else. We're absolved actually being active, like advocating for you and your rights because you got a T-shirt. That's almost what this feels like to me. I, I hate to say it I, I, and agree with you in the sense that already, like in my email, I got like Juneteenth sales. So it's already, you know, it's yeah, already. This is why I always say <laughs> capitalism and racism are married in the United States of America. If you want to be specific, you cannot separate our capitalist society from our racist society. It's all well, I mean, I, I think as you mentioned, all, all entwined in, in some ways. And, and of course, we're going to do another podcast on capitalism. So I don't want to go down that road because we will not get to the, the this podcast if we do. <laughs> but I think it, I think you bring out some impo- uh, great points. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I felt like I couldn't like start this podcast being on, on June 19th without acknowledging it. And and ultimately, in a sense that it is an awareness. More people are aware of it now. Hopefully that will um, help people to understand. I know there's this thing about, you know, you, you can't think about American history without slavery and you can't, you can't whitewash it. It is what it is. And, it, and, you know, so I think if it helps in that, that's one positive thing, but you know me, I like to try to look at things from as much a positive side as possible. Well, and it's not even, um, a, a matter of, of, of whitewashing it, it is more a matter of gaslighting in that for so often people of color, um, not just black people, but people of color in general are told that our struggle is, has ended years ago or that it's over, that everything is better now or, or, or what have you. And our society, which, you know, is a very majority focused society protecting the majority looks at this pain, this history that um, was brought upon our people and basically say, oh, well, you're, you're kind of crazy for still thinking it's, it's still an issue. And that, that's the definition of gaslighting. Yeah, but you know what? That's actually a good lead into the social media thi- thing, this discussion, as I'm calling it social media, love it or leave it, because thanks to social, social media, things, people, I think, get more knowledgeable about, you know, certain things. And some for some people, they have to see it. For example, how George Floyd, you know, how people really see police brutality. Now, you could say it's been going on. Yes, we know. Or even that one incident where the the, the black gentleman was bird watching and the woman called the police and he wasn't doing anything. So, well, and I, and I, I just also want to bring up as far as, you know, leading into social media, this talk of performative activism is also, cause I am very, you know, being someone, I, I didn't grow up with social media. I guess I kind of was, you know, back when AOL was a thing and chat rooms and stuff. I, but I'm not like, you know, people who are younger than me, they've, they've always had it. I kind of just missed that, but it's been such a big part of my life. I am very much an an advocate for the positive aspects of social media. However, I also understand how detrimental it can be for a a variety of reasons that I'm sure we'll get, we'll get into, but, but yeah, I just, I think speaking of Juneteenth, it's a really good segue leading into this idea of social media, accessible education, but also the, the sharing and the spreading of misinformation, yeah. um, 
So it is a very interesting and, and I think complex topic. Um, so we yeah. should be good to talk about. Yeah, I think so. So I, I really want to discuss the blessings and curses of social media, what is responsible use of social media, you know, how does social media invade our privacy, but also informs us and allows greater outreach. Um, so to do that, you know, okay, both of them, I think I should make this disclaimer. They are not like social media gurus, but I feel like they interface with social media. And I think they would give us a really, allow us to have a really good conversation about social media. So that's why I invited them. And, and it's my, um, friend John, who I met via my mother, and also my friend Jocelyn, who I went to Carnegie Mellon with. So as I always do, I don't like to, I let my guests introduce them so, themselves so they can share what they would like. And also I want to get them in, in the mix of this conversation. So I want to get them in here. So I don't know who, who wants to go first to introduce yourself. Well, I'm going to be chivalrous and let Jocelyn go first, <laughs> if, if that is chivalry. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this is the last time that will work. <laughs> um, I'm Jocelyn Johnson. I have known Charlene for hundreds of years. <laughs> okay, did you have to make it hundreds? I mini moons would work. <laughs> okay, whatever. You said I could introduce myself. I am currently a professor of uh, communication. And so most of my interaction with social media has to do with my students. So I'm pretty sure every example will probably be negative and probably be about one of those students. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I am John Coleman. And of course, I've met Charlene and Shelby recently. Uh, I'm the pastor of a small church in Philadelphia where Charlene's mother is a uh, one of our key leaders, Marilyn Mason, um, and whose uh, ministry and friendship I appreciate greatly, as well as um, her family. The, I'm also, uh, and that's a very part-time, um, better not call it a gig, <laughs> assignment, uh, but I'm also director of communications for the Eastern Pennsylvania Conference, Regional Conference of the United Methodist Church, which I've been doing for about eight years uh, and have done communications pretty much in the, almost solely in the United Methodist Church for couple of decades now. So I have a very, um, let me just say, um, circumscribed <laughs> area of uh, activity uh, for the most part uh, in the United Methodist Church and as a religious communicator. Yeah, thank you. And I think that's it. That's a good lead. And just because, you know, in March, I joined a new new church and my church really embraces social media. Mm -hmm. They are on um, Instagram, uh, Facebook, you know, they have their really website. So I think that that churches, especially in COVID, have been able to um, embrace, you know, social media to sort of help things keep going. And I think if you didn't embrace it, then you probably probably were left or going to be left behind because that's that seems to be how people are communicating. And, um, you know, and, and my church has a pretty distinct name is dare to imagine. I will give it a shameless plug and put it in a reference. <laughs> if that's the church, yeah. 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 And um and yeah, I know uh, my uh, uh John's church also has a has a Facebook too. We can put that in there as well. But one of the articles and one of the things I thought for preparation for this is just to see what's out there as far as information. And I'll I'll put this article in the references, but it said like 70% of adults in America use some form of social media. So to me, in that case, um, 
to me, is it is reasonable to state that social media is here to stay? I would say, right? I mean, we're not going to oh, be yeah. able to get away. Oh, yeah. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. To stay and to grow, and actually, that percentage is higher at, at the younger generations. Yeah, I was going to say seventy percent seems very low. Yeah, it's, that's a general statistic, but uh, yeah. but yeah, at at a younger generation, I I, I saw a ninety seven percent figure for um, people like. 26 and under or maybe 30 and under or whatever so it goes even higher as the as the uh, younger ages and of course a bit lower at uh, older ages generations so it's yeah but it's definitely here to stay and to grow and uh, i was surprised to see that um, only about 50 percent of uh, people and i think that was a general statistic have uh, apps on their phones i just thought that was uh, you know but not everybody's got a smartphone which is kind of amazing to consider and that that's a bit of the thing that is a concern about social media, because if you don't have a access, right, you could really be left up, left behind. I mean, yeah, there's access and then there's mobile access. So probably a lot of those people who don't have don't use apps and, and do social media on their phones. Do I don't do a whole lot of social media on my phone, but I'll do it more on my computer because I'm so often in front of my computer and uh, whatever. So, uh, but that that mobile applications is uh, or or access is growing, and um, even as developing a new website as we did, well, we redeveloped our website last year. We had to pay particular attention to that rising statistic of of people who mostly access the website on their phones, and that we had to design the website. Probably even the Facebook page uh, group page that we just launched this week, we changed the banner because it wasn't showing up completely on somebody's phone, uh, even though it was on the computer screen. So there are those considerations as well. Yeah, I know for our web for the website for this podcast, they sort of they show you how it's going to look on the phone and also how it looks on a computer. I, I prefer a computer just because it's bigger, but I Same have like the biggest iPhone possible so I can see, but <laughs> I still like it on a computer. Yeah. So that makes it makes a difference. I, I don't know, like even or I know Shelby, you you went for a minute where you say I'm not going to be on social media. Do do you think that I mean I think people can take breaks from it, but you still are going to need oh, and it. People, and people do. And sure. I don't know. I don't remember when I was like complete said I would be completely off social media because it doesn't. I don't think it is absolutely 100 percent necessary for someone like myself who is an artist and also kind of entrepreneurial and trying to do a bunch of different things. But it helps. It really does. Um, and in fact, I think. In a lot of ways, a presence on social media can make or break your business. So while it's not my favorite thing, I am on social media. And yeah, so it it, it kind of like it is what it is. Honestly, what I dislike about social media is using it as a promotional platform because then it's like work. But, you know, I also have like an account where I just like send funny or cute images to my friends. And there's the relaxation aspect to social media as well. But isn't Instagram, I mean, that's something where you you want to, if you're, you have a budding business or something, like you want to put that on. Like Christian, he shows mm-hmm. his work on there. And I'm sure that gets more people. Look. Yeah. And I mean, like I and I show... I've gotten a little bit of traction from my Instagram of like people reaching out to me. But yeah, um, the big ones are Instagram, Twitter still and um, TikTok. 
those are kind of the big three. Also, YouTube, as far as, you know, if you have a business or you're trying to promote something, those those four, I would say YouTube, Instagram and Twitter specifically. But TikTok is also very popular right now. It's it's kind of like it, it wouldn't make sense as far as if you were trying to make a business, it wouldn't make sense for you not to be on social media. I'll say that. It takes, to me, it takes word of mouth to a different level. Cause when I was back in doing my MBA, like 50 years ago, or since Jocelyn says we've known each other, (laughs) you know, word of mouth was always considered the best way, you know, you can advertise, you can do everything, but word of mouth was considered the best way to get things out. So Almost these social media platforms are like word of mouth on steroids. I mean, you know, because if one person likes it, then other people like it. But then there's the other aspect of it, that whole like thing, which maybe Jocelyn could speak to a little bit, you know, how that impacts, you know, students and and how they could feel about themselves and, and things like that. So there's two social medias. There's good and there's evil. It really has to do with how you interact with it. Some, I I think what we thought would be great is just like what Shelby said, you have a business and you were able to um, communicate with thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people um, just to show um, some project that you worked on, get the interest, get feedback. And that was all good. What we didn't know was that people would be concerned about the number of likes. Mm. So it's nice that people like whatever picture you posted or something that you created and show people like that. And that's great. But if only three people like that, that doesn't seem to be great. And then the focus becomes how many likes did I get? Not the genuineness of the comments I received. And so I do have a number of students who say they're not on any social media, Mm. but they used to be. So they'll Mm. talk about how many different profiles they've set up and on how many different apps, but that they had to let go of those. They had to stop doing it. Mm. They realized that they were becoming addicted. Now, as an addictive personality myself, I know it well. Um, Shelby, you might not remember, but there used to be a phone called a BlackBerry. Mm-hmm. And that BlackBerry had a little red light and that little red light would turn on when you got an email. And whenever that little light would flash, I would grab my phone and I realized, you know what, this is controlling me. Even before they've developed all of these algorithms and all these different apps, just the idea that I have some notification says, OK, go check. OK, go check. Was I Pavlov? What was what was up? <laughs> Just a flashing light says, oh, go check. Yeah, I, I learned that term recently, um, uh, FOMO, fear of missing out. And oh, wow. uh, apparently it's a real problem. It's interesting because I have that problem sometimes with television. When I'm watching one thing, I'm wondering what I'm missing. Or even on radio, I'm wondering what I'm missing on another station. Hmm. And uh, being able to keep watching what you're watching and still, you know, sort of check out what else is going on at the same time has been a, a boon uh, for me, although it is part of that fear of missing out, you know, and, and sometimes I've learned, oh, gosh, like the, the program on ABC last night uh, about black history and culture. 
and I didn't know it was on. I was flipping around while watching MSNBC and I said, oh, man, I need to see this and, and everything. And so it gets rewarded sometimes <laughs> as well. So, um, yeah, um, it goes back to that instant gratification. Like you said, mm-hmm. if, if, you, if you can get the likes and I mean, we can go way back to the beeper. That was the first thing, right? Oh, yeah. Where right. you get the beeper, right? And then, yeah. you know, this this kind of thing. And even like. Now, you know, you go out to dinner, everybody's on their phones. You, you can't, you can't. And I, I, I get myself caught up in that too. So, so that's, that's so true. You know, we, we want to know what's new. And, and I think about, you know, Facebook, right? My, a lot of my family's on Facebook. So it's a good way to share information, what's going on with your family. But there's a lot of, there can be misinformation on Facebook as well, which is scary. So you know, this whole thing, you know, how social media is used and I'm starting to, and I don't know, I, I, I understand the point of no, reg, not things not being regulated, but I think there needs to be guardrails. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think I, I have that question for you guys about face, Facebook, you know, is Facebook dangerous? And, um, and how do you, and, and, and your thoughts on Facebook? Cause that, that to me really blew up. I mean, it just came out, I think when Shelby was like maybe 10 or something like that. I can't remember, but you know, she asked me cause she, she have her Facebook and I said, okay. And I would monitor it. I have to be her friend or whatever like that. <laughs> her school had a Facebook page, you know, but you know, it could be um, very emotionally charging for people around these likes. There is no right now. I think um, I think they're starting to put some regulations as far as misinformation. You could have a whole group of people just believing something that's not true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, that's the whole conversation with about Facebook is, is an irritating one for me, particularly because again, it's a big business. That's what Facebook is. So they're not, I don't trust big businesses to do what they're, to ever really do what they're supposed to do as far as like regulation goes. Like they're, the first thing that comes to mind, and I know this to be fact, is that Facebook, and I'm not even on Facebook, but a lot of Facebook, I think, creates a really almost quote unquote safe community for people like flat earthers were the first thing that came to mind. You know, there are so many Facebook groups like that are just for this kind of sharing of, uh, again, it's false information, but you're never going to convince a flat flat earther that they're wrong. So do these people really believe the earth is flat? Yes, it's very, it is like, it's really interesting. Christian was actually telling me that apparently the new thing in the flat earth community is that they think it's donut now instead of flat. It's, it's something wild like that. But um, I think that's why Facebook is uh, maybe a bit different than other social media platforms because Facebook, you have those groups like Instagram, Twitter, I don't believe, nor TikTok. Those you can't really, and Vine was another one. You couldn't like join like a group, I don't think, and just have like a group of people on one thing it it almost is like a chat room facebook Mm -hmm. that is exclusive which i think makes it very enticing because again it's like the safe space for people to come and just say whatever they want Mm -hmm. and is that that safe space can be good or bad though i guess well that's what i'm saying you know like again it can just be a bunch of misinformation but because it's monitored there are people who like these groups 
there are there are mods. There are people who monitor these groups and can kick people out. So even if like I I know a couple of fashion communities have um, um, Facebook groups, and even if like someone is bringing up a legitimate issue, again it's a majority mentality. If they if, if they're like, well, we don't really want to you know deal with your problems, they'll kick you out. Yeah. So what's the solution then? Yeah. Kick you out. Wow. Oh. Part of cancellation culture, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. So, so then, then it goes into like, so should we regulate? Should social media be regulated then? Well, who is going to do it? Well, we have the thing. Don't we have the thing for like the radio, radio and television? That have- no, it's a little different because uh-huh. that's. Uh, go ahead, Jocelyn. You probably. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you go ahead. <laughs> Well, those are different. Uh, those are um, what do you call them? Commodities. Those are public. Uh, yeah, and they have and and they do have to uh, ascribe to certain government regulations. Right now, social media is not really the traditional media outlet with the inherent limitations and in, in government involvement. It's still considered, you know, I don't know what the, the right term is, whatever. But it's not in that category, so it would have to be moved into that kind of understanding. It's probably already there. In fact, no doubt it is in, in terms of its spread and also its uh, almost monopolistic ownership of of and everything. So, and that would be subject to regulation, um, but in terms of fair competition, uh, in terms of breaking up monopolies, but also in terms of content. And uh, right now, it's self-regulated. It's interesting, you know, in that sense, the market is working to some extent because yeah. Facebook has made some moves in Twitter. Uh, only because of public outcry and wanting to protect their business, in which is which is in some sense maybe a very basic sense how capitalism does work. But they're very slow to do so, um, and even in terms of banning you know certain politicians uh, from spreading lies, they waited a long time until they were forced to do that. Whereas uh, if so, if it was if it was able to be challenged through government regulation, that wait wouldn't have taken so long to happen. Uh, so that's why we keep seeing them hauled before Congress, uh, but Congress has very little power to act on them at this point. So I think probably to some extent, and Jocelyn asks a good question, who, but I think it, they will need to come under regulation. It'll have to be very careful about how to do that. And it will probably be, no doubt, will be governmental regulation because the self-regulation just isn't working and it's running amok. Uh-huh. But then I, I don't know if I necessarily then trust, again, I'm very distrustful of, of this government in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't trust them to regulate it properly either. But I, what you were you know, talking about reminded me also just of YouTube is another one where, you know, Facebook, you know, like you said, they re- reacted because of public outcry. It wasn't because they, they would have changed anything if right. no one said, hey, you know, get it together. YouTube is kind of the same way in that there are a lot of things that spread misinformation on YouTube, but their algorithm and their rules are so cryptic that it allows for things and oftentimes very dangerous things. Like, I don't know if you guys heard of Five Minute Crafts and a lot of these YouTube channels that just spread, basically, it's just literally lies. Um, And YouTube allows it because people like those videos, people click on those videos, and that makes YouTube money. So even though they're dangerous, YouTube lets allows them to to exist. Meanwhile, there are like 
things that are pulled off of social media platforms, including YouTube, are demonetized, which means that these creators don't get money um, off of their videos for things that are like that don't that shouldn't matter. So I, I like the whole regulation question is really interesting. And also I, I'm, I find it interesting and Jocelyn, maybe you can talk about this more than I could, that social media isn't, I mean, I guess it is kind of new, but it's not new. It's not in its infancy in that I would have thought that there would be more, you know, thought about regulation at this point. I can use YouTube as an example again, like there are, uh, there's a group of YouTube creators that are called like family YouTubers where they have you know, they show their children and they basically they they make money off of, you know, showing their family life and their children. And so people and there was a situation where it was very much like a situation of abuse and they had adopted a child and then the child is no longer with them and they had made money off this child. There was a whole big thing, which, mom, I can link you to some YouTube videos um, that you can post. But that specific case made people, you know, say, hey, well, what, what is the difference between these children that their parents are profiting off of them and their faces compared to like child actors on television? Why is there no regulation there for those children? Because it is so similar. But I guess one social media and one's television, even though they're really the same thing. Well, one key thing, and you spoke to that for a moment, I know Justin wants to get in there, is that uh, difference is that on traditional media, you go in search of the media, you watch it. Uh, because you've selected it to watch, uh, whether it's television or a newspaper. With social media, it comes to you. That's the way the algorithms are, are created. And therefore, you have less control, actually, over what you encounter. I mean, obviously, you always have control over what you're going to watch and, and continue. But but what you encounter on social media, the algorithms are set up that if you expressed an interest or shown an interest in one thing, other things will come at you. So it comes to you. Uh, which is part of its power and, and part of its deviousness in, in a sense. Um, and that has to be considered in terms of uh, regulation because it is not, um, a lot of times you get things that are not necessarily by conscious choice, but, you know, they determine that you'll be interested in this. And so it comes to you. But yeah. Jack, <laughs> you want to say something? Sure. I think Shelby, you had the answer at the beginning when we were talking about Juneteenth and the broken system. The system is working as designed. The goal for Facebook is for you to be on Facebook for as many hours of the day as you can. And so there's no interest in regulating because as Shelby pointed out, disinformation seems to move faster than actual truth people are more likely to click on a fake story than they are to click on true stuff. And the other thing that has um, concerned me, because I would have always said, okay, why are those people like so uninformed? Why don't they know um, that there was clearly a fair election? Why don't they know that? Why don't they know who won? Why? Don't they? And the reason is because Facebook and the algorithms we've talked about continue to give them, feed them things they will be susceptible to. And so the algorithm is working all the time to improve itself. You and I don't ever get the same stuff. If you borrow your um, Shelby's phone, you're not going to get the same stuff that you would get on your phone. And so what looks like facts to her will not be facts to me. But it's interesting that this is reminding me, uh, 
I was watching something and this guy, and this is more of like a money-making tactic an advertising tactic, you know, how oh, some people yeah. are like, man, how, you know, I was just thinking about, or just talking about, you know, this toothpaste brand. And then you go on to Google or you go onto your mm-hmm. phone and you see an ad for that toothpaste brand. And the, he was talking about how that now, and I don't know if the, the I can't fact check this, um, but it's something that I heard. So we can take it with a grain of salt. But he said, okay, yeah, I went and I visited my mother and she was talking about a toothpaste brand. And then I went home and I got an ad for her toothpaste brand. So it's not even just her being targeted. It's, it's the people she, her and the people she knows being targeted for this same product in order to kind of expand on how, how much you can monetize something or at least get it in the people's hands and get people looking at it. Yeah, I think that because that is a good lean into my next question of what do you guys think about how social media collects data about you? Because I do find that a bit creepy. (laughs) And Mm. I know it's all about in the algorithms and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, sometimes you click on something, you have no idea what it's going to be. But just because you clicked on that once, then you start getting all this junk. So it's just like, I don't know. And I don't know how you can can regulate that because it is all about like money. And, and it's, it's a key part of the business model. And it's why um, these companies like Facebook can stay in business. I mean, they want to make sure they don't become another MySpace or Friendster or something. <laughs> and so they're constantly evolving their business model and snapping up con- companies that provide them with more access and then making those kinds of connections. To, to do what it is where, and it is creepy for sure. You go looking for something and then all of a sudden all these ads show up, but that's part of the business. And they would probably say, well, they're being helpful to some people who don't know about something they want to know about um, or, or product they may want to know about. But I would imagine most people find it really, are really put off by it as I am, just the, in the immediacy of the, that kind of spinoff. So, yeah. so I would agree they are being helpful to some people, but who are those people? Right. Mm. Who do they consider their clients, customers to be? Well, I mean, I I probably would have to admit that I've gotten a message uh, as 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 a result of checking out to something or, or an ad, and so I'm. I mean, rarely has that been the case, but as a consumer, uh, information is is usually valued, but over information and unrequested information is probably not so much, but. You know, some people are going to benefit, but that gets used as an excuse to just sort of flood the market with uh, and and really uh, offend a lot of people who aren't benefiting from it, you know, on a regular basis. So any good thing can be overdone and become a bad thing. Certainly, since we talk about social media um, in general. Yeah. But, but yeah, so that's, um, you know, but that's part of the argument that they would use. But I don't really think it, it, it it's overdone. And, you know, that's the nature of that's part of the, the whole business model is to overdo uh, everything. And, to, and to, the monetization is, is the key thing. And, and they have to they find these ways to do it. And it's just and it probably pays off because people are probably clicking on those, those ads and going and making a purchase. And maybe one in 100 people will do it. But that's that ends up being profitable. But even if it's not, you know, like blatant uh, in a, a lot of cases on social media, particularly like I, I can think of two, Instagram and YouTube, there is a lot of this kind of subversive, very sneaky ad placement um, yes, with design. <laughs> people exactly. like if you are 
like sponsored by someone, you have to say, this is an ad. Like if you post a picture with a product, you have to put that it is an ad there. And a lot of creators, either be it on Instagram or YouTube, they'll kind of sneak around it. So people just yeah. look at it and it's like, you you don't even know that it's an ad, um, yeah. but you're, you're getting... Yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's a story about that recently and it's called sponsored content. And sometimes like for instance, news programs will have an interview with somebody. It's really advertising and they're supposed to put a little label up there saying sponsored content, but they don't always do it or it's not seeable. And so you think it's a news segment when actually it's it's an ad, it's advertising, free on air advertising. But uh, Justin said something earlier that that uh, that um, leads me to the understanding. I'm sure we've all heard it, uh, but it's so true that we may start out as the um, consumer, but quickly enough, we become the product. Uh, while, while we're the consumer for whatever it is they're trying to sell, we become the product that the uh, social media outlet, whether it's YouTube or, or, or Google even, or Facebook, is selling. We're, they're selling us to their third parties uh, of businesses and everything so they can advertise. So, so, you know, so that is the way in terms of our privacy issues and our data, it becomes the product that they're selling uh, mm-hmm. to make money off of us. Yeah, and you rarely get a choice. I mean... You know, if you have a this check off, don't sell my usually they give you some options, but they it's do. never completely you can't right. you can't uh, you can't completely not sell your information or they can't take your information, I should say. You have to go in search of it and <laughs> where to yeah. find that those buttons and push maybe go through three levels. The one that came story came out about a week or two ago about uh uh people's what is it, internet access being shared with uh, with neighbors on the street and like your and and your your ring cameras and, and whatever um mm-hmm. connecting to your internet and they showed you where how you can go into your device and disable that but it was like five steps to to be able to do that so and first thing i thought of is like wasn't there a time when there was a big crime to steal somebody's cable <laughs> access <laughs> and now they're sharing our access internet access with with neighbors uh, to make money off of it so yeah it's crazy Jocelyn, you seem like you were jumping in there. I guess I just wanted to remind us that everything we do is tracked. Yeah. So whether that's creepy to you or not creepy to you, that's the only way. And then I think I said that was why it's free. Mm-hmm. The one other thing, just on the dangerous point, I've seen a few times where kids, you know, adolescents like try to recreate. And I don't know, Shelby, maybe you know what. I don't know if it's TikTok or YouTube. TikTok and YouTube are had to do these things and then they get in the hospital. Like this one mm-hmm. poor mother, like her daughter went to do something she saw on one of these platforms and she winded up being in the hospital in critical condition. And I just, you know, I don't, I don't, you know. And so- again, I, I think those are the, it's, I think a lot of those cases with YouTube, there are a bunch of very problematic YouTubers that do horrible things that, then I guess younger people can go and try and recreate. But I think most often than not, it comes from those like, again, five minute crafts is one. There are hundreds upon hundreds of these accounts. And I'm sure they're on TikTok as well. And the first one that came to mind when you said that, I don't know if it's the one you're talking about, it was on YouTube and it was, they took a video of a five minute crafts and it was basically, it was how to do something, but it involved it ended up with an explosion happening. Mm. Mm. And I believe one of the, the children passed away in that case. I'll have to find it. 
and five minute crafts are still on YouTube. They really weren't. I think it the oh well the the actual creator actually it wasn't it wasn't five minute crafts. It was a different creator. She she did apologize for it, but it, it really did bring up this like this conversation about like you have to be very clear like about what you're doing and that you you should not like it, it is not like a a DIY it's not do do it yourself because when you aren't then you have kids who go and try it yeah and are horribly horribly injured and this one was more like a physical thing I don't know if it was you were supposed to jump some kind of way and she didn't was not able to do it but you know there's there's the physical aspects which I brought brought up but there's also to me this this social aspect because you know social media is a way to communicate we talked about the positives like for your business and things like that but when you dig deeper like social media really allows you to hide behind a persona in a way and you could present yourself in a way that you really aren't so it's almost could be like a role-playing thing and i think that could have a lot of implications too and i think it's true, but I also just to play devil's advocate, you know, again, because as much as I am very suspicious of a lot of things and including social media, I, I do know that for some people, and I think a lot of young people, social media can be a way for them to be themselves mm. through social media. So I think it is, it depends because a lot of you know, I think it, it, for more of like kind of the weird kids, the, the kids that are the odd kids, the kids that aren't the popular kids, you can find community through social media um, where you can, you know, really boost your confidence. Whereas like you were saying, mom, then there's also this kind of idea of the, the FOMO or like the fear of missing out, like people post on Instagram and everyone's happy and smiling. And really their life's not like that 100% of the time, but we all we see is happy, smiling pictures. So we're like, man, my life might not, must not be that great because it doesn't look like, you know, the stock photo. Well, it's it, in a lot of ways, social media amplifies, really amplifies what already happens. In it. I mean, you, you meet people on the job site or in school. You're not always going to share the bad things. Going on, you know, you're going to share the good things and, and whatever. But, yeah, it certainly is. Uh, it is both, as, as Shelby says, uh, it is both good and bad. It, it is it is self-revelational. Uh, but it is also for many people is is uh, duplicitous. It is it is uh, high. I mean, and, and to the point where it has hurt a lot of people uh, because there's a whole industry of of falsehoods in and uh, and how people present themselves, uh, even to uh, create scams um, um, to take advantage of people. But but yeah, for many people, especially young people, I mean, it's it's from identity establishing an identity and and what's called self presentation, how you present yourself to the world. Is is so important, um, and also you know called identity exploration. You are sometimes you are discovering who you are while you in the process of revealing to someone else who you are. That happens to me all the time when I talk about myself. Then I'm discovering something that's in me that only became came to my awareness as I'm expressing it, um, and uh, whether it's my call to ministry or or, or or many other things. So that is all. And and as you're forming, you know uh, your your 
maturity, you're forming your identity in that process. Uh, and so it can be beneficial, but it also is has its landmines of, of people creating false identities um, and uh, uh, then and also creating, you know, what's called digital stress <laughs> is, is, uh, is um, you know, worrying about what others, you know, present and how they compare. It can be very comparative and can be very competitive. Uh, in that sense. And so if you bring an unhealthy, you know, some personality dysfunctions or problems or weaknesses to that medium and, and don't use it in a way that is that is um, positive or beneficial to you, then it will exacerbate them greatly. And so in that case, is the medium the message? You know, as Marshall McLuhan said, asked back in the 60s or 70s, is the medium the message? Does the medium create the message uh, in your life? It very, very well could. Um, depending on and the key word, as Shelby said, is how you use it. And uh, and so as we, um, you know, as we look at social media as, as both a boon and a, and a bane, you know, a blessing, as you said in the beginning, or is it the bane of many people's existence? It is both and sometimes dangerously so. Um, yeah. But but it's a resource that I mean, and there are plenty of things that have power in our society, firearms, you know, cars or whatever that can also be used wrongly um, and sometimes by the wrong people uh, and also sometimes without control. I'm, I'm, I admire what Jocelyn was saying about some of those students and, and, and maybe in terms of recognizing that, you know, they have, you know, they might have an addictive personality or at least an addiction to this particular medium and therefore the proper corrective is to pull away from it, you know, and there, there may be, I'm, I haven't heard of any, but I'm almost certain there may be 12 step groups, recovery groups uh, for, I mean, as there are for alcohol and drugs and sex, there's got to be for, for social media addiction or, or should be uh, and everything, because you have to recognize what your, your susceptibility is and your culpability in using this medium and then be able to step away from it or get the help you need. And especially a lot of young people really need help in understanding how to use it and not have I me. Mean, and there are, there are pointers made all the time. Like one is, is how you engage. If all you're doing is scrolling through, looking at posts and you're not commenting yourself, then you are not revealing yourself. And you are, and, and if those, the posts that you see are having that negative effect on you, then it just balloons and you are hurting yourself. Uh, whereas engagement means you are also contributing, you, then you comment and you, you know, engage with it yourself. But some people don't do that. I mean, and when I, you know, sometimes I'll go on Facebook and I'll, I'll get a little tired of it, stuff, but I'll scroll through looking at stuff. But now and then I'll comment, you know, even if I just, and, and I'm a writer, so I won't just say, oh, I like this or whatever. I may write a whole paragraph. And then I'll ask myself while I'm doing, like, why am I doing this? Whatever. No, no, I'll do it, whatever. And I don't overdo it. But then there is some, I recognize as I've learned about this, that there's some growth there. There's a, there's a good thing when you actually engage as opposed to just consume. So, but it can also be a, too much of a good thing. I think it's important just to bring up, Mom, I don't know if you, you have a question about this coming up later, but just because I've talked about kind of the social media influencers as almost being a negative influence. Yeah. However, I also want to put out there the social media influencers that are their lives are influenced by their fan base because I follow a lot of YouTubers who are great, good people who are advocates in, in education and um, just doing their doing their thing. Because I don't think there's anything wrong with being a social media influencer or being a YouTuber, but you have to understand that you have a platform. And if you do that and you're doing that correctly, you can still have a, and you create a fan base. Like these people have had to move because people have found their house because they 
because people engage so much, they feel like, oh, well, these are my friends. I know these people, but you don't. <laughs> you don't know That's them. The so don't go to their house. Yeah. It, it's dangerous. It makes the lives for social media influencers more dangerous than I think we, we realize sometimes as well. So it's, there's risk on both sides. Yeah, I was thinking too, because when uh, you were talking about John engaging, I forget, there's a name for people who just scroll through and don't engage. But for me, and also I control the content that I put out. So on Facebook, I tend to only put out positive things. Now I have some people who I'm friends with or family members, they put every single thing in their life that they're going through. I guess I'm not, I, I'm just not that open to do that. So people use these social media things in, 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 in different ways. You know, um, if I if I'm going to put something out, I might be asking a question. I might be, which I'll be putting out soon. I'm 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 captain at my work for LLS, so I'll be putting that out soon. So it's usually going to be something positive. I'm sharing something, but I just you know, life every life moment I have. I have one French lover to death, but she's like, I'm in the movies. I'm watching this. I'm here. I'm there. You know, it's just like. That's that's a lot to me to be putting on yeah. on Facebook. So. I loved when they came up with the um, what is it? Not when you delete a friend, but you you um, what's the word? What's the word? Snooze. Like there are <laughs> several people like who's like every accomplishment, and everything, and and I don't want to delete them all together, but I need a break from them, so I would just choose the snooze uh, <laughs> function, and it would snooze them, take them off my uh, feed for like a month. You know, and and then they then it would show up again, and I can determine whether I want to you know snooze again or delete or whatever. So they're always giving you options uh, to to deal with you know that kind of stuff. But yeah, I I, I certainly understand that, and yeah, and I, I guess the other you mentioned about the scrolling too. It's called passive use, where you okay. passively rather than active use of the medium. Yeah, and I'm actually starting to see the lines blurred a little bit because. When I think of Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, right, as things, but then there's LinkedIn and Indeed. And like, I'm finding people are being more social on those. Even my job is suggesting to us, and I will post things like that are positive that my job is doing. They're using them more to engage than just say, okay, these are my credentials, you know, you know, so it's even even what you would say is like, you know, these business sites are even being more socially engaging. Yeah, I am. Um, and I, I don't know about Indeed, except for the TV commercials. And I know that it's a good job uh, search site. And I think probably a lot of people think that that's what LinkedIn is. I mean, and, and that's probably one. I mean, obviously, it's a, a site where you can get connected and network, but it's uh, most used to people who are looking for a job or, or looking for the next job or whatever. But they have tried to expand their attraction and their, and I'm aware of that. I, and now all of a sudden I find myself on LinkedIn a little bit more often. Some, some email draws me there and I begin to see that they're offering more uh, and everything. As a matter of fact, you know, just a few weeks ago, I thought maybe I ought to get my agency on LinkedIn, you know, uh, uh, just see what the possibilities are for, because we're right now we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, for some reason we're on Pinterest still. I think that I, I just inherited that. Uh, but maybe Pinterest organizations that that thing has everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it definitely has a specific audience too. But uh, yeah. I mean, we may not be on there, but but I have an assistant who posts our stuff, 
And really, it's just cross-posting. So we're not really marketing. We're not really engaging very much. Um, now we're starting to set up groups, and I just set up one this week. Uh, and that's where the real networking can happen uh, if you really mind the store, you know. And and, uh, yeah, and this one is on dismantling racism. Uh, and so now that I've set this one up, I will pay more attention to it than, than is paid to other groups that have been set up, Facebook groups that have been set up by other people uh, to really build it up and try to achieve some purposes. And also, of course, limit the amount of institutional content, but try to get more uh, user generated uh, content, you know, as well. But, uh, but yeah, it's, you know, it, it's all out there and they're going through their changes. And I, I'll take a closer look at LinkedIn, you know, just to see what, what it offers, both me and my agency. Yeah, LinkedIn, I think, does, you know, has every, everybody. I mean, all the companies have stuff on there. You see articles from different yeah. different mm-hmm. companies. I think it really has has grown. I don't know if it's good or bad. It's, it's definitely yeah. more than just a place where you network. It's time for me to take a tour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and not just check in and out and say, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Right yeah. But I But I think that we touched on this a little bit already, but, you know, we talked about, you know, there's the positive negatives, but you know, what do you think that, you know, is important for people to consider, you know, as it relates to children, teenagers and adults? I mean, Jocelyn, you brought up that, you know, if you have more of an addictive personality, then you probably need to be very careful about your use of social media. But we can't sort of get around it. So I think I mentioned the social dilemma, which is on Netflix. OK, and- Mm-hmm. The 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 uh, programmers that were interviewed on there said none of their kids do they allow to have these accounts. Oh, wow. Because they know what they have done with the software and the algorithms. So they want to keep their kids out. So it, I think it depends on the type of kid you are and maybe even the kind of parent you are, which is do you let your kid just do whatever he or she wants to do? Or have you given some training about, okay, remember, this is an ad. Remember, all of this is to make money. None of this is to help us. This is all designed for marketing. So, I mean, your kid has to know that or they will easily get sucked in. Even um, the old guy, Kyrie Irving, even that old guy thought the the world was flat for a second. Then, really? Yes. Then he, yeah, he was one of the media. Yeah, the proponents of it. Yeah, and I think. Uh, oh gosh, the guy with the San with the San Francisco team, mm. the football player or basketball? Basketball. Curry, Steph Curry, I think too. I think mm-hmm. I don't know, but yeah, that's amazing. So and and but what they described happens is that you just go down a rabbit hole. Yeah, you do. If you if you look at the you know the next video. If you're on YouTube, the next video, if you're on TikTok, the next one, the recommended one, it's Mm -hmm. that that takes you down these holes. Yeah. So that's how uh, Kyrie ended up not believing the earth was round because he followed one too many (laughs) recommended videos. And once you start following, they come to you. The rabbits come out of the hole and pull you back. There there you go. So that's I think that's what you have to teach your kids which is if you're going to keep clicking on these, they're going to take you where they want you to go. Yeah, that's true. So, and while, 
not to have any um, of the notifications on, things like that. Yeah, good point, the notifications, yeah. Yeah, and while limiting their use, you also have to set good parental examples. I mean, they're watching you, you know, how much you're on your phone and whether you're putting it down at the dinner table, you know, and they suggest other things like, you know, making sure kids aren't taking their phones to bed with them, charge them outside of the room, uh, turn them all off, you know, you know, at, at, at appropriate times and limit, you know, the use, but also being careful about some of the dangers to young people like cyberbullying. And, and because most most young people are not telling adults, responsible adults, what's going on if they're being bullied. Yeah. Uh, they think to themselves a huge percent, very tiny percentage actually say something to a teacher or to a parent when they're be, being bullied online and perhaps even aren't aware that that's what's going on initially. Uh, so a lot of that bullying goes on, uh, you know, sub rosa under the surface and, and it can end up being very damaging and cause a lot of self-esteem problems and can even lead to suicide as it often does. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it the, doesn't uh, have to be kids because there's a, right. was a woman that was a firefighter here who was bullied by her house, I guess is what we call them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they found her in one of our national parks. And then the catfishing that goes on. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of dangers. And, and if you're unaware of that as a parent, you're in trouble. It's such a dilemma, though, because, you know, you have to you would almost even like, you know, just to, for kids to do their homework, they have to get online and be looking up things. Um, I remember Shelby, you know, you had to do certain papers and you were you know, you were I think they say you can't use Wikipedia, but you have to get some real sources. It, it, it's what's scary to me. is like everything is so blurred. Like, you know, f- the earth was flat was like, you know, in whatever century. And how could what something like I can understand fashion, what's old is new comes back. But when there's certain facts that are just facts, but facts don't stand anymore. And I guess I get that from my scientific side. You know, we do experiments to confirm things. And mm-hmm. and some things are theory in science. I admit it. There are some things that are theory in science, but there's some things that are just, you know, mm-hmm. just are plain facts. So why do you just, you know, if the earth was flat, we would fall off. We, it, because you know, reason <laughs> doesn't matter. You know, it, it doesn't matter. Also, I believe their excuse for that or their reasoning is that there's like portal or like some sort of like vortex like it's basically you teleport <laughs> if you go off one side you teleport to the other that that's what i i think they say as far as like how you flat or flat earthers yeah, understand that, things that makes the point it doesn't matter if it's real or not they've just decided it is so and you can't but see the dilemma to me is you can't you can't fight that. And that's where social media becomes really dangerous, because if it can be a a a, a portal, which is a good word, Shelby, you brought up of misinformation, you can't pull it back. And that's and, and then it becomes such a and it, and it just seems like it steamrolls and you get more and more people. Although right now there's, you know, the majority of the country does believe we had a fair election, but there's still people are thinking President Trump is coming back in August. So there's still a lot of, you know, ways that misinformation can be just spiral out of control. And a lot of it has to do with social media. I wonder if we didn't have social media, 
could you do that? Then there'd be no, nobody can Twitter. Nobody can, you know, do these things. So I'm just, I don't know. It seems extreme. I, I, cause I, I like, I use social media. So, but it's almost like, do we need to just like, just blow it up and get rid of it? I think social media is, can be very helpful for certain especially when you were talking about activism and in, in education, like uh, Instagram. And again, this might be because I am in a situation where the people I follow and the people that follow me are all fairly like-minded and um, try to be as anti-racist as possible and are generally good people. Like I went through a period of like, I had used to follow some people from my high school on Instagram who definitely are, you know, if not white supremacists themselves are like complacent or, or compliant and, and, and white supremacy. I was like, why am I following these people? And I got them off of my feed, but it's, it's like without, there are so much, like, as far as the sharing of information goes, there's a lot of sharing of good information. Um, and a lot of sharing of like, like uh, Brianna Taylor's is one that, it, that comes to mind a lot, especially in cases where, you know, there are so many cases of, of black and brown people, especially, and then even we're seeing a lot of um, Asian hate crimes as well, that you don't, you might not hear about on the news that isn't important enough to be broadcasted, but you can hear about it on Instagram. I actually know also on Instagram, a lot of people like if someone's missing or um, if someone needs help, like, or is about to lose their house or whatever because of COVID, Instagram has been a way for people to help support each other. Mm -hmm. um, so again, it's like that dichotomy. It's like, you know, it can be so good, but it can also be so bad at the same time. Yeah. It, it, it is, almost seems like the number of ways in which social media is, can be beneficial. I'm taking a guess here, but I don't think it's a wild guess, far outnumber the number of ways in which it can be uh, um, harmful or, or negative, not necessarily the number of occurrences, <laughs> but yeah. the number of different ways. If you asked uh, how many name the number of ways in which uh, uh, a number of ways in which social media can be beneficial, we could probably come up with 50 ways easily. But then if you said, uh, you know, like name the ways in which you can do harm, I don't know. I better, I better get out of that rabbit hole. <laughs> I'm working my way down and trying to do a numerical thing. It's just like uh, Shelby said, and she's only touched the tip of it, that it, it has so many benefits personally for, for people, uh, especially entrepreneurs, uh, as well as socially, I think. Um, and uh, but, you know, so that it just comes with the territory. And the thing is to remember is that it, it amplifies and exacerbates everything. So the good can be made very, very good. Uh, and the bad can be made very bad. And then it just takes a lot of self-governance and probably some public governance, private governance, certainly of, of self-governance of, of the companies. And when I first said self-governance, I meant of persons, of, of individuals and families, but also eventually probably some public governance in terms of by the, by the government, you know, as well. But that just has to be carefully uh, constructed. Um, that made me think of a good point when we're talking about this and I, I didn't prep you guys on this, but just the conversation made me think about, I know Elizabeth Warren, one of the senators has been talking about sort of, you know, in a sense, when I say blow up, blow up, like these yeah. uh, 
Facebook and because I think um, Zuckerberg has what Facebook, Instagram, yeah. he has a lot of these different platforms. And is that a monopoly? You brought up monopoly. Yeah, it's 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 pretty yeah, it's pretty much that. I mean, it may not be technically fully a monopoly, but it's pretty pretty close. You know, maybe we have an oligop was oligopoly or something like yeah. that. But would that but that would would that be a way to sort of help this ish help or would it to me or would it polarize? Would it just have certain people be on certain platforms and other people be on certain? I mean, I mean, I guess it would be then like, you know, we have many different. Well, we don't have that many as far as phone. You can have AT&T, you can have Sprint, you can have whoever. Yeah, I don't know. They would probably say it's uh, I, I guess whether it would increase improve competition, which usually improves in a capitalist system, improves the product, uh, or whether the, those who don't want that consider it anti-competitive, how, I'm not sure, but, uh, or at least anti-developmental, that they're able to, um, they're, they're, the, the, the size of control they have and ownership they have allows them to try a lot of things and, and whatever, but, you know, you can probably make arguments on both sides, but I, I, I hear what she's saying about blow it up, and I as radical as it sounds, I can't say that she's necessarily wrong about that. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I'm not sure. Maybe it could help, but then maybe it could make things. I could see it also on the other side, making things worse if there's mm -hmm. like, OK, because I know there's are already these kind of um, and I don't know a lot about them. I just hear about them on the news. Some of these like what dark, dark social medias like oh, yeah. dark web. all this, yeah. maybe the white supremacists go or people who are anti, you know, um, yeah. government or I don't know. And I don't know how those can, maybe you can't even, they're, they're dark. So you can't even check them or maybe only uh, <laughs> FBI or something. I don't know, but it's just a slippery slope of, 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 of how you can, can manage this, these social medias. But I will say that with COVID, I mean, it's a good thing we had social media, right? To be able to 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 stay stay connected. Um, maybe we could maybe we could learn something from how it was managed, you know. But then again, there was a lot of misinformation too, um, especially things um, around. Oh, there was some good information about COVID. There was some misinformation about COVID. Okay, it's both, yeah. yeah. And the good information in terms of where to get testing, where to get the, the vaccine and pressing on people, the importance of the vaccine was probably beneficial. But yeah, you're right. going to have, yeah, I'm sure it was beneficial. Right. Uh, I was online searching, you know, yeah. for, for to get the testing and the vaccine stuff. So, um, um, so yeah. Um, but yeah, there's going to be misinformation uh, as well. It's it's like in the Bible about the wheat and the tares growing up together and mm -hmm. you can't, you know, you can't stop one from growing with the other. So you just let them grow. And then, you know, you, you make the, you divide them afterward or whatever. Um, the wheat, the tares will grow with the wheat. So the bad yeah. with the good. Yeah. And, and, and anything that happens is going to have, uh, get, provide opportunities for scams and, and for people to, and they, they, they are growing phenomenally. Uh, the scams out there and public information just becomes so important and not just, uh, I mean, both, you know, online information, but obviously also person to person information or, or reaching out to people who aren't online on a regular basis and getting and helping them, whatever. But there's always going to be victims of this. Yeah. You so it sounds like you really have to have a filter with this um, That's a key word filter. Yeah. Yeah, you really do. And uh, I, you know, in terms of your your context, your question in terms of the pandemic, obviously a lot of people depended on 
social media and grew businesses, you know, after losing businesses yeah. on social media or kept their businesses alive through social media as well. So it was a boon to uh, a lot of folks. Um, and um, the uh, and the whole online media thing obviously benefited many churches uh, yeah. in terms of being able to worship online. No, that's not necessarily social media, but it, but actually it was because yeah. those who were using Facebook Live or YouTube for their services. Um, yeah, definitely benefited from it. So, and of course, um, like, you know, churches, I'm sure many are saying now that we've done this, we got to keep doing it or make the right. necessary adjustments so that we can do both. Now that we can be back in place, uh, physical place, we need to stay online as well because we reached a lot of people and created a lot of, you know, just expanded our, whatever you want to call it, our business plan or our modality or something. And we have to keep that while we do that. And that puts a lot of pressure. I mean, one, there was the pressure of learning how to use social media uh, and technology when you had to. And now the pressure is how to do both, you know, when you're not used to, to operating in two different worlds. Um, and now you have to. Yeah, it's definitely an opportunity because I think even for work environments, I think people understand that you don't have to be in an office. You could right. work from home and be just yeah. as productive. I know my yeah. brother mentioned the thought that maybe for his job, they may not even come back to the office or only a small portion. Yeah. Um, even my job being in a pharmaceuticals um, and on the R&D side, there's a more openness to have more, you know, some work from home maybe, yeah. and you can still get the work done. So. Yeah. Now, businesses are, and agencies, um, and in fact, one of our major agencies, a publishing house down in Nashville, are selling their brick and mortar <laughs> locations. Uh, and then, of course, looking for smaller workspaces for people who do need to be on, play, on site for work, but mostly people working from home and making that adjustment, which has pros and cons business-wise. And now I'm starting to hear about businesses that are looking for ways to require or at least, um, if not mandate, then impress upon their, their staff the necessity of coming back in-house or whatever. But, you know, but yeah, that, that ship has sailed for a lot of businesses, um, you know, as well. Yeah, and I think that that too goes back to just like, you know, um, using some of these social media, even if it's business, LinkedIn and things, people are looking for opportunities if you like working at home to work from home. So there's competition there. So companies sort of, are almost forced to get on board. You know, you can say, come in and yeah. somebody might say, well, I don't want to come in. I'm going to look for something where I don't have to come in. Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, something that where my work can be beyond just this city or this community. But certainly right. because we, I mean, you use the key word opportunity and the corollary uh, to that word or the opposite to it. That's also important is opportunity cost yeah. word term, because to not be engaged in social media, certainly if you're a business, well, not even just a business, even a nonprofit, do not be engaged, carries an opportunity cost. In other words, what you lose by not taking advantage of the opportunity that's there. And you can lose a lot, especially in, in a competitive uh, environment. And, and that's a good point, because, I mean, I think there's definitely an emphasis to to uh, get get people like Shelby's age and younger engaged in whatever, if it's a nonprofit or anything using social media. But is that is there opportunity cost that we leave behind some of our people who more mature folks who are not as adept at it or don't want to be on it? So you have to balance, you know, social media with to, to touch, you know, everybody of all generations. Right. Mm -hmm. You, you can't. Yeah. You can't just focus on one. Right. I guess. Exactly. So 
I guess, you know, I think we sort of, you know, this was a really great conversation, but I always like to leave some time for, you know, some some final thoughts on this. whole. Well, I, I did want to say just briefly, and I know that conversation about the Juneteenth went on a yeah. little bit, but I just yeah. felt like saying, listen, everything counts. You right. Know, everything counts. Um, and so therefore, I mean, I don't think the the, the rapidity of the Juneteenth right. holiday uh, passage to a point where I don't know if it's ever happened before that a holiday went into effect immediately. Right. <laughs> like the next day. I mean, it's like usually it's a year or two in advance. You know, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, Black Lives Matter, with the, the with the, the George Floyd and even with the uh, the uh, commemoration. I want to make sure I don't say celebration commemoration of a century from the the so long hidden Tulsa uh, um, massacre, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and everything. And, and that, I mean, to have seen a programs um, of, of that anniversary, that centennial anniversary on so many stations in one week, I was just amazed. It's like everybody had a documentary or program. I must've counted like six stations and I, maybe I got to watch three or four of them, but, right. them, mm-hmm. but, but that kind of penetration you know, and, and significance and spread of, of awareness and everything. And all of that adds up to, um, you know, to be a part of this Juneteenth thing. Now, you know, that's only a start. And obviously, even the the the, pre, the, the, the immediacy of this these voting rights legislation, not just that, but the George Floyd Act in terms of policing, all of this creates a vortex of, or nexus, I should say, of, of all of this happening at one time. And every bit of it counts. Now, I know a number of... Uh, Juneteenth celebrations. I'm going to one this afternoon. I wrote about one that's been happening for 10 years down in Chester uh, on, on our website. All of them, well, no, I shouldn't say all of them, but many of them are carrying an educational component because that's right. what's so necessary because so many people don't even know what this is. So the ones that I've read about uh, and written about have a necessary component of where they're teaching about what June, Juneteenth means and, and, and what it is. Um, and I think they got to get the nomenclature right, because I hear that the actual bill is the National Independence Day, which this is not about independence, it's about emancipation. We were already independent as a nation. Yeah. If it's a national holiday, then it shouldn't be called National Independence Day. That's July 4th. But it is a day to, to, to commemorate emancipation and freedom. Um, so I think, and it was already called, I mean, while we know the name Juneteenth, every time you see it referenced, it says parenthetically, it's often known as Emancipation Day. It's also often known as Freedom Day. So those are both better names than, than independence, but maybe they'll get it right, maybe they won't. But I think everything counts. Uh, it has to all be, you know, kind of work together. Um, and then there's a scripture that almost leads me to for those, that, you know, but it, it has to work together. And so I, while I, you know, roll my eyes, at, not roll my eyes, but realize that that is not enough while we have uh, s- seriously needed, urgently needed voting rights legislation hanging in the balance uh, and, and, and just as likely to fail as succeed uh, as far more significant than, than this holiday. It all connects together for people who can connect it together uh, and everything. And so um, you just have to make use of what, what's there um, and, and lift it up you know, for the right reasons and, and, you know, hold your nose if you have to. <laughs> I think, it, I think it's thing. just important that, that we, this is not like, that this doesn't, like, it, it, it is definitely meaningful, but it's not, it isn't enough. It was like Malcolm X who said, like, that the white man will, will try and satisfy us with some symbolic right. um, victories rather than 
economic yeah. equity and in, in real justice. Right. Um, so, and, and I mean, that was, you know, when Biden was elected, it was like, okay, I want to see, I want to see the receipts. I want to see the work done. Right. So it's like, you have to, you know, yeah. keep putting pressure. You can do, but I, once again, I know what you're saying and I prefaced with that. But to say it's not enough doesn't mean it that carries no value. You got to be careful about discounting things that, that are only part of the process. Um, and even when he comes back from the meeting with Putin, they're saying, oh, what did you accomplish? He said, the accomplishment isn't the meeting. It's what happens six months down the road when we see whether the things I demanded happen or not. That's when you measure. You got to be careful when and how you measure measure things um, and not you know expect all, uh, it all its full value to be displayed in just you know what happens is what now what happens now with this holiday and and who has the response bears the responsibility um all of us do to make it more significant than just the signing of a piece of paper and giving pe a bunch of people the day off who has right. that now, now the work begins uh in a sense and uh right and I, and I mean that that's all that i that i that i want to trust also and I, again i would need to fact check this mom but is, is it not correct that that Juneteenth is, is celebrating today. It wasn't that papers were signed in Texas. It was like the slaves were free. It right. was when the slaves knew that they were free. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that that is, I think that's a yeah. very important distinction that I just want to like yeah. make sure that we 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 underline right. because but, that's a that's another like really stark example of, of white supremacy that they just yeah. literally they would not have known if like. You know, which is well, well, I, I, some of that gets caught up in myth. And I heard a guy online the other day on, on one of the articles I read about Juneteenth. They had a guy who's in uh, uh, down in Galveston. Uh, he's a historian was giving a real 411 on it. For one thing, you know, everybody keeps saying two and a half years from the Emancipation Proclamation. The Emancipation Proclamation was just a presidential proclamation that that supposedly freed, purportedly freed the slaves in the southern states. The southern states weren't even United the United States of America at that point. They were Confederate states. So it really had no legal. I mean, he exerted that legal authority, but he didn't really have it. So I always think of two months after the end of the Civil War, which was the official, you know, end of the Civil War in April of 1865. But yeah, the proclamation came out two and a half years earlier, but it, it really was just a symbolic uh, thing. But the other thing this guy said was, those troops that, that came into Galveston were mostly black troops. And he gave the percentage numbers, I think at least 80%. I can't remember the numbers, but he actually gave the numbers. Now, General Granger, the white general that came in and, 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 uh, and, and presented the order uh, was white, of course, but apparently they were mostly colored troops. Um, and, they, and it was fell to them to actually uh, prosecute and to, to make sure that the changes happened after that proclamation. So there were black troops uh, uh, patrolling <laughs> the community, making sure that the order was carried out. And most of us didn't know that. We just knew that troops came in, you know, and, and, and presented the, 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 you know, the, the edict or whatever and, and, and stuff. But the, 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 and the significant number of black troops on the union side at that point had grown phenomenally. Uh, and we know there were, we all know there were black troops fighting the Civil War, but the numbers I don't think we were aware of. And the fact that the majority, great majority of those that marched into Galveston that day, which came after the Confederacy uh, victory in the last battle of the Civil War, with the Confederacy won and it happened in the Bay of Galveston. And then all of a sudden the general comes in and says, yeah, I know you all won this battle, but the war is over and the slaves are free. 
So get used to it. And then here are my black troops that are going to enforce it and everything. So there's a whole lot more to the story than we're aware of, you know, that now is an opportunity for us to really learn. Yeah. And I think all of this and and, and this sort of I, I can weave it back into our topic because this is all about social media and then getting the getting the information, you know, getting information out. And I will be putting a, a link into um you know, about it being made an official holiday and, you know, how it took time. And I think that we just have to, you know, like I said, I think it's the awareness and people being more aware about Black Wall Street. And even some of the, um, I saw one of those documentaries where they had some of the, some of the um, people whose families were back there and survived. And they had several, I think these people were in their nineties who were, um, they 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 spoke in, in Washington and things like that. So the more we learn, the better it is. It, it I think there's, you know, you know, there's that, too. But there's also the more that we need to do. So I hear both both John, you and Shelby's voice about this. So there's 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 always um, always that climb and there's always things to do. So. But um, I, I, we, we get opportunities, but we have to create them and we have to make the most of them. Right, right, right. And I think um, and, 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 and that's that's going to probably be be always the case for, I think, you know, not only black people, but indigenous people. And, and, and but, you know, uh, interesting, you know, America's called, you know, this melting pot or whatever. And I, I think one of Shelby's friends had a good analogy. She didn't call it a melting Amber. pot. Yeah, Amber. She I keep saying we got to get Amber on the show, you know, but really we 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 don't we we shouldn't have to necessarily melt together. We should be able to be ourselves and we all bring things to the table that made this country great. She said in in, in that quote, America, I, I don't like thinking about America as a melting pot. It should really be more like a tossed salad or yeah, something like that. Yeah, I first heard that back in the 70s. Yeah, they were correcting that. The tossed salad was, was exactly the, the metaphor that was, you know, there was always a core, you know, a counter to a melting pot back in the in the civil rights resolu- uh, revolution and everything. They started saying, no, it's not a, a, a melting pot. It's a, it's a tossed salad. And I think there was another one, too, that was used as an alternative to that. But yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the way to think of it. Yeah, so we all we all bring in, and and I guess I guess the social media is a toss salad too. But I also don't want to, you know, Jocelyn, you've been pretty quiet. I'd like to give everybody, you have any any parting words or anything you want to share about any of these topics? Because Shelby and I had our little thing about Juneteenth, and John got some words in. But you know, if you have anything else, either about Juneteenth or or social media, don't want to leave you out. Um, I would say um, that we have to approach social media like it is addictive. Our ignoring the fact that it is addictive has been how people have ended up um, in terrible straits because they believed the likes or they believed the pictures. The new craze, of course, is for plastic surgery because of how Nicki Minaj looks, etc. We have to avoid that. We have to teach our kids that and we have to fight against whatever it is that you see is just something you see. Right. Yeah, for sure. That 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 is that's powerful. Treating social media like it's addictive. And um and I, I started and as we were talking about this, I started to think about this because it's it's like uh, different people have different 
propensities to certain addictions, right? Some people have no problem with it. Some people are more prone to it. So if we, so, so that means, you know, you know, some people can drink alcohol and be fine. Some people will be alcoholics. So, I mean, I think treating it like that and being mindful and having those guardrails and understanding yourself is, is really important with this whole social media thing. Cause whether we like it or not, it's here to stay. And, mm-hmm. and this has benefits and it has negatives. So you really have to treat it with uh, care. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really difficult. I'm sure you're, you're both right about that, but it's like, for instance, somebody who has uh, and this example just came to the top of my head, has a problem with road rage. Should they not get behind the wheel of a car or, or get on highways or something, you know, but, but if they have a problem, then it does need to be addressed. And, and uh, abstinence is always the best or the most, uh, uh, you know, effective way of avoiding, you know, addictive behavior. But it just, that's really such a challenge. But, uh, and, and uh, I guess, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, almost like it may you need somebody to curate your, uh, your content or your involvement in in uh is like in my other example they need to find somebody to drive them where they need to go and so maybe some people need someone to curate their their social media uh, content for them so that they get a healthy dose and and don't go off the deep end how and maybe that's a new uh um a new uh uh enterprise for someone to develop let us curate your uh (laughs) you know your social media content so you don't go off the deep end but i don't know Maybe there needs to be an app or something because another yeah, now yeah, I thought good. like chips, right? It's hard to just eat one potato chip. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you, some yeah. of these things are if you have, but but if you like, you know, close the bag, put it in the kitchen, yeah. you're far up on the top shelf, then maybe you can. <laughs> That's an excellent thought, Sean. I bet you there is already because there's apps for everything, right? And yeah. I've seen even in my research apps that, that help you with you know, sort of like determining what you're going to see, what you what you that you see, what you need to see or whatever. So there's got to be one for uh, controlling um, your usage. Um, so, yeah, probably a bunch of them out there. Uh, just none come to mind. But that's a really good idea. Yeah. Pro- yeah. And then also I'm thinking with monitoring with your children, too, because yeah. children are so tech savvy now. Like, yeah. I mean, it was easy for me to tell Shelby, OK, you have to get off your Game Boy now. But I mean, nowadays, kids can figure out how to get on things and and you you know so there has to be some some controls out there yeah. but um yeah but this was this was really great i appreciate uh, john and and Jocelyn, you coming and talk today about this topic it's it's a pretty intense one is but it's important and if if it just makes makes people think a little bit more about social media and and if we all can help each other i think you know think that's that's the that's the that's the best we can do and we can we can um, we can we can hopefully use it for the benefit for the most part. I don't know, Shelby. Before we end, do you have anything else? She put herself. Um. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think so. I think we we did touch on a lot of things. I just want to make sure that you know. Again, I stress that you know while there are negatives to social media, of course, I, I just it has been such a positive part of my life and I've met a lot of good friends and even um past partners um through the internet and through online and I you know I'm very heavily involved in the writing community online and and the art community online and it can be such a 
really important thing. And like I said before, like, especially I think for, for, for the weird kids, for the kids that like are maybe not the popular kids, um, but find that community, I think is really, it was really awesome that we have something now that makes it easier um, to find your people. Um, so yeah. No, no, I think that's a great, I think that's a great way to end it on a positive note. And, um, and I think that uh, we will, we'll, we'll keep learning as we, as we use these social media tools and you know, they're not going away. So uh, <laughs> I want to, want to thank you all. And, and, and we'll, you know, as I always tell my guests, I'm sure I'll come up with some other reason to have you back again. <laughs> Until next time, stay safe, well, and be blessed. Bye.